Welcome back to Flashbacks. I'm Jessica Hall, and I'm super happy to be here today. Today, we are talking about breast health, and we are speaking to Alexia Adams, a breast cancer survivor, and Katie Wee. She is what they call a previvor, someone who is at high risk for breast cancer. I recently met both of these women at a Natrell photo shoot. My experience was totally different. I've had a breast augmentation, and I've shared my story. Both Alexia and Katie have had breast reconstruction, and their stories are truly inspiring. <laughs> yes, we did. So thank you, Katie. <laughs> so, Katie, let, let's talk about your story a little. Let's talk about why you and I were both at the same photo shoot and um, just just your story. Yeah. Um, so I'm like a pretty normal girl from Northern California. I live here in LA. I'm an actress. And I found out when I was 30 that I had this genetic mutation that's pretty rare. It's called BRCA2, B-R-C-A-2. Um, people know about it because Angelina Jolie, I think, had BRCA1. Um, and it basically gives you like a high chance of getting breast cancer. Okay. It gives you like a 69% chance of getting breast cancer by the time you're 80. And I'd never thought about breast cancer. The Did average, you say 60%? 69. 69%. Yeah. Okay. So by the time you're 80, there's a 69% chance that you will get breast cancer. And I was kind of just like, what? I, I'm a normal, healthy person. I go to the doctor like once a year. I'm not really on top of my health. I never thought about breast cancer or any of that stuff. Um, and I think when you're young, you think that the world's just at your hands and you don't have to really necessarily worry about those things, which mm -hmm. I know everybody is different. So by you saying not going to the doctor that often, I mean, I'm guilty of that. Totally. I like, I don't go to the doctor unless I have a problem. I got kind of hit out of the blue with this, like finding out that I had this genetic mutation. I found out because my grandma um, found out that she had it when she was diagnosed in her 80s with pancreatic cancer, which is okay. another cancer associated with it. And I kind of was just like, how do I deal with this information? It changed my life completely over the past couple years. Um, and that's sort of how we ended up at the same photo shoot because I ended up having a double mastectomy and breast reconstruction. Um, and then there we were at the same photo so, shoot. So when you decided to have that, because of hearing what the doctor said, that the probability of having breast cancer is 69%, you thought, how long did you think? And were you nervous? Were you, I mean, of course you were nervous, but you were basically getting rid of both your breasts. Totally. So how long did it take you to make that decision to realize like, this is my life? It was so wild. It really didn't take me long at all, even though I was like one of those little girls that like prayed for boobs. Really more by the time I was like 13, 14, 15. But okay, like, okay. But for sure was like wanting boobs. And here I was a 30 year old who finally had like boobs kind of yeah like, and I was like oh, I have to get rid of them this sucks no um, I understand that must be really hard as a woman it really was hard. it was but like I also just was like oh I'm so lucky that there's so many options my doctors yeah. explained to me right away they were like well people in your position a we have to test and make sure you don't have cancer already a lot of women find out they have this mutation and then find out that they already have breast cancer and I was like oh god so I had to wait through those tests oh my and gosh. then I found out they didn't have breast cancer but in the waiting I was kind of like if I find out that I don't have breast cancer, me who's been at like, you know, a bachelorette party last weekend and like a girl's dinner last night and like an audition this morning, just in my normal life, like not thinking about all this stuff. If I find out that I don't have breast cancer, I'm going to do everything I can because this anxiety of wondering sucks. Oh, I couldn't. So how long did you have to wait to find out that you did not have breast cancer after getting the surgery done? Um, Before I got the surgery done, I had to wait 
three weeks to find out the breast cancer, like the MRI, the uh, ultrasound, and the mammogram for all those things to come back. Okay. And then after, and then once I found out I didn't have breast cancer pre-surgery, they were like, okay, so now you can screen every six months or you can get a prophylactic double mastectomy and then you have the option to get a breast reconstruction or not. And once they were like, you don't have cancer, what do you want to do? I was like absolutely the double mastectomy and the breast reconstruction yes i'm an anxious person already so i don't want to deal with this oh oh <laughs> hi my name is jessica and that is i wish i did not do that but i do do that and yep. I'm, I'm always constantly thinking like how can i prevent it? even though i i truly don't think you can especially in your situation yeah and talk about manifesting like people talk about what you think becomes real and that's true I I, I agree and so if I'm like do I have breast cancer touching my boobs 20 times a day being like is it in there and also the odds are 69% chance I'll get it by the time I'm 80 so I was like no I'm gonna so I just like some people they decide to test every six months and just do that and I was like that's personality wise not for me so I made the decision pretty fast Okay, Katie, I want to continue talking about this, but we are going to bring Dr. Alexia Adams in. Uh, this is another woman that I met at the photo shoot, and I was I was impressed by her and also impressed by the fact that she was a doctor. I think you remember my face. Yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I just get really excited when I see, like, powerful women, and that is exactly who she is. So let's welcome her to Flashbacks. Dr. Alexia Adams. Uh Alexia, we were just talking about how we met, <laughs> and Katie is here as well, so you can say hi to Katie. Hey, Katie. Hey, how are you? Good. Good, good, good. Good so to see you. We were just talking about Katie's story, and honestly, I, I was unaware of a lot until Katie kind of informed me on um, her chances of getting breast cancer and how she handled it and how she decided to go ahead and do the procedure, do the surgery, and... Uh, for someone that didn't know so much about it, I, I'm glad that you're here to share your story and everyone else that is listening can also um, even re- maybe relate. And I know the decision must have been hard to do that. Katie can chime in anytime. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hard, but Katie, I'm glad I did it. Katie's just <laughs> shaking her head. I'm like, it is radio, Katie. It is radio. <laughs> Letting you just crush it. <laughs> and Dr. Lexi was like, I'm the smart one. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. That's why I'm being quiet because she actually is. She's the doctor. I know. <laughs> I know. And I'm very, I, I love strong women. I was very impressed by you when I met you at the photo shoot, which clearly, you know, I didn't hide my excitement when I found out that you were a doctor. But we want to hear a little bit about your breast cancer story. Absolutely. Um, so I was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 37. My diagnosis, though, wasn't straightforward. You know, I meet a lot of women and they found a lump and boom, they had breast cancer or, you know, they went for their usual screening and boom, they had breast cancer. My diagnosis was actually two years in the making. So two years before I was diagnosed, I found a lump on a routine self-breast exam. And that lump was in my left breast, actually. And so um, that led to imaging. That imaging led to a biopsy. And there was, for lack of better terminology, precancerous cells or, you know, cells there that told my doctors and surgeons that I was at risk for breast cancer. Um, So I had a lumpectomy um, and it revealed even more abnormal cells. And so I went on this um, cycle of every three months cancer screening over the next two years. So it would be a mammogram and an ultrasound plus or minus a biopsy, an MRI, 
Um, and, you know, every time it seemed like they were finding something. So in February of 2018, I had a breast ultrasound and mammogram together. I was told they were unremarkable. Um, and, you know, my breast surgeon ordered an MRI um, and that MRI was really abnormal. It showed a mass in my right breast, um, which was biopsied and determined to be cancer on April 3rd, 2018. Um, so it... it it was a lot. I had a very large tumor. It was nine and a half centimeters in size. Um, and you're talking about somebody with like barely a B cup, like barely a handful of breasts. Um, and I had lots of positive lymph nodes when they did my surgery. So nine out of the 15 lymph nodes they removed were positive for breast cancer. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, how I was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I mean, I have to, I mean, Katie and I were talking about the removal of her breast. How did you feel about removing your breast? So for me, it was a very easy decision to make because it was such a long time coming. And my family and I have been through two years of, oh my God, is it cancer? Oh my God, is it cancer? And the one time I, you know, just figured it's going to be the same that it always has been, it was cancer. For me, it was very easy to commit to having a a bilateral mastectomy. I kind of was just like, hurry up, let's get it over with, you know, um, get these off my body, get this cancer out of my body. Like I couldn't wait. And so my yeah. surgeon offered me um, just a right mastectomy because that's where the tumor was. And I opted to have the left breast removed what we thought was prophylactically, but um, ultimately when they did pathology, they found out that I had cancer in the left breast as well. So for me, it was an easy decision. So when did you decide that breast cancer reconstruction was right for you? I mean, how did you make that decision? It's such a, you know, not only are you making the decision to remove your breast, but now you're deciding to, you know, reconstruct them. How was that process or what was going through your mind and how, just how did you make that decision? So, um, you know, I definitely let my surgeon lead initially in terms of what my options were. Um, so I met with my breast surgeon and my plastic surgeon separately, but I, I knew that I wanted some form of reconstruction immediately. Um, and back then I was fit. Like I had a six pack, hard to leave. I had a six pack in my <laughs> lifetime, but it did- <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think I've ever had that. I saw I you mean, changing. I know you're fit. <laughs> <laughs> So at that time, I didn't have enough abdominal fatty tissue or skin to reconstruct one of my breasts, much less both of them. For me, I wanted to just look like myself. You know, I, I had surgery before I had chemo. So I, you know, was losing my breasts. I knew I would be losing my hair um, and just, you know, just losing my, the physical appearance that I had come to know and love. And so I just wanted to, to look like me on the other side of cancer. So for me, um, having a breast reconstruction that was gonna offer me symmetry was very important because, you know, that was part of the decision to remove the left breast. Yeah. Um, but I think after I went through all of that, I wanted to just have an aesthetically pleasing result. I wanted to 
you know, look and feel like myself in my clothes when I, you know, got dressed for work or got dressed for speaking engagements or whatever else. And so, you know, it may sound superficial, but those are the things that were important to me at that time. Same. Yeah. So, I mean, and this leads to my next question. Um, After having breast reconstruction, uh, it helped you regain some sense of like normalcy. I mean, like that's what you're kind of talking about now. And I just could not imagine, I mean, well, you want to feel like yourselves. And I'm so happy that you both are such strong women that decided to do that for yourself. And you're, I mean, you're both here now and you look amazing. So for you, how did that help you regain some normalcy? Um, you know, things like, you know, going to work, right. Um, I mentioned getting dressed for, you know, speaking engagements and things like that. Like I'm someone who is very, um, apropro as my mom would say. So, you know, you, you gotta look the part. And I remember the first time I spoke, um, after my cancer diagnosis, I was, you know, really fresh out of surgery. I had tissue expansion, but not really filled yet. Yeah. And I remember putting on like my favorite dress, my power dress, and it just, you know, not looking like I did in it before. And, you know, just sitting in my closet, crying my eyes out, weeping. And so um, to just look and feel like myself to show up and not have people see me differently. um, It's important. It's important for my day to day. It's it's really inspiring hearing you talk about all this. Um, how do you hope to share your story with other women who may be having similar experiences? Like, how are you going to use your voice on whether it's your social media platforms, uh, speaking engagements? And this question's for both of you. So, Katie, for you, how do you use your platform to just let other women know that they're not alone? I think I just try to talk about it as if it's normal, because for me, it is part of my new normal now, having um, BRCA2, which changes you know, the way I screen my health for ovarian cancer, um, it's changed, obviously, my life these past couple of years having the double mastectomy and breast reconstruction. Um, when I first found out that I had it, I was like, I don't know anybody else dealing with this. None of my friends were dealing with, like, having their breasts removed. and Especially uh, at your age. Yeah. And I was just like, this yeah. makes me feel like I'm in a whole other world that I don't. And social media was a place where I could find other women like me that were going through the same thing. And who cared about things that I cared about w- within the process. Like Alexia is saying, a lot of times you talk to surgeons and like I had a couple surgeons that were like, it doesn't matter what you look like. Don't worry about the aesthetic outcome. And it's like, well, clearly you don't understand what it is to be a woman. Yeah. You <laughs> like, know what? Good for you. Good for you saying that. That is that is so unfair. And yeah. I, I'm glad that we are in a day and age and we have evolved in so much that we do have these options. Right. And it's terrifying enough to go through this surgery to of also course. worry about not feeling like yourself afterwards. That's terrifying. And I'm so lucky to feel like this is my new normal I'm comfortable in my body I feel happy with my result with with the way I look Um, I'm so grateful for that because like 30 years ago 40 years ago like reconstructions weren't even covered by insurance so your insurance would be like well yeah you need a double mastectomy but we're not going to pay for the reconstruction so you can do that on your own dime if you want to that would have left someone like me who couldn't necessarily afford the reconstruction I wanted like with like being flat which some women totally opt for that and that's completely a valid choice and that's the right choice for some women. For me, it wasn't the right choice for me. And so and that is okay. Yeah, totally. And so I feel grateful that social media exists, that I can like share my experience and have other women be like, oh, same. Thanks for saying that. And I've connected with so many women that are going through the process or considering the process. Um, 
and been able to help them. And I'm like, oh, this is a good use of social media. This is me using social media to help people at, like they have helped me. Yes. And I, I speak about that a lot. I don't want people to look at my social media and think, oh, she just looks like that because of, I don't know. I, I want people to be like, I, I I didn't just wake up like this. Like I yeah. had some help and I am more than happy to talk about it because I don't want to put this facade of who I am when I'm not really being honest with myself. So I need to be honest with others. Now, Dr. Alexia, how do you use your platform and how do you inspire others? So, you know, just through sharing my story and, and talking about everything, the highs, the lows, the wins, the losses, you know, the days where I was smiling and pushing through it, the days where I was crying my eyes out, I share it all. And I share it because people hear the word breast cancer and they think, you know, the absolute worst case scenario that, you know, there's going to just be suffering. And, you know, when you talk about statistics, related to black women with breast cancer, all is you all you hear or are told are the negatives, the increased mortality, the 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 more aggressive tumors, all of those things. You rarely see someone who is surviving and thriving with breast cancer who looks like you. So when I'm sharing my story on my social media platforms, my hope is to just educate, empower women, but especially Black women, to to be able to advocate for themselves. So, you know, my hope is that I can help women overcome fear, that I can help, you know, be the change that is going to disrupt the disparities that we as Black women face when we're dealing with breast cancer and any other cancer diagnosis for that matter. And I want women to see me surviving and thriving. You know, I, I, I don't want people to think, um, that all hope is lost just because of this diagnosis. Oh, I love that. I love that so much on so many levels. Me so too. before we let you go, Dr. Alexia, I just have one question. What is one word that defines who you are today? I mean, I could think of a many for you, but coming from you, just one word. So my word is resilient. And, you know, I put a little AF at the end I of was going to say, let's, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I am proud to know you. I am proud to hear your story. I'm so happy that you shared it with so many others. And I think a lot of people listening in are going to know they're not alone and that you can speak about it. And maybe, you know, go get that stuff checked out that you just don't think. I mean, not everyone is in tune with, mm -hmm. you know, their body or what's going on. And I mean, we were talking about that er earlier, Katie, like we don't do these checkups as much as we possibly mm -hmm. should. Totally. But this mm -hmm. is something that I think we are spreading awareness about. And I love it. Women mm -hmm. coming together, supporting other women. And that's what it's all about. Yes, totally. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Alexia. Bye, Alexia. My absolute pleasure. Great to see you both. You too. Uh, Katie, you're not leaving. I'm, oh, yeah. I have a few more, yeah. a few more for you. I'm, so, I'm here. I'm comfy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Katie, we talked about, um, pretty much, you know, just how you, it came about, uh, what is it called again? BRCA2. BRCA2. Yeah. Yes. BRCA2. But I, mm -hmm. I, I'm so like flustered with my yeah. words because I honestly, I didn't really even know that was around. I didn't And either. I feel really kind of I'm not happy that I didn't realize that there was something of that. And it makes me want to like, you know, get checked before, you know, the age of 40. And this is something that I love that you are coming here on flashbacks and talking about because I, for one, am going to leave here and book a checkup because I don't even, mm -hmm. I, I, I just did not think that was like a possibility. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't run in your family or is it just something that 
happens. It's so wild. Um, like cancer is not prevalent in my family. Breast cancer is not at all. Um, and that's that's, that's something that's so that, cra- crazy wow. about it. Um, so yeah, it's something that totally changed my uh, experience of my life. I felt like oh, I'm a perfectly healthy person. There's like there's nothing. I'm totally good. And then I found that I had this, which gave me a risk for breast cancer. And I had to just change the landscape of my whole life. And I felt like, oh, I'm trying to do so many things right now. I'm trying to move forward with my life. I don't want to go backwards and clean up all this stuff. I had to spend time like having surgery, recovering. Um, But overall, I felt like it was an investment in my future. But it did take some time. And I think everybody has a story on why or how they did what they did. And there's not many that actually come forward and talk about it. And this is why I love so much meeting you and Dr. Alexia Natrell and just how we just connect as women and how we both we all have a story and why we are where we are today totally and we have platforms like this that we can come and talk about it and freely and without judgment Mm -hmm. um for you how did you know though how Mm -hmm. fast was that process of did you have any healing after they were removed or did you just go straight in and getting reconstructive surgery great question um you can have a double mastectomy and then wait and then have the breast reconstruction later. Uh, some doctors later meaning how much later? Like a few months. Um, okay, okay. Often, like I think what Alexia was talking about, people use something called a tissue expander to um, put under the skin and then they like inflate it. And then once that skin that muscle has gotten stretched out enough because of the inflation, mm-hmm. they can take those tissue expanders out and put in an implant. Oh. That's the most traditional model of okay. a breast reconstruction. Doctors that I met here in L.A. after meeting lots of other doctors, she did direct-to-implant, which was incredible. So basically, you go under for surgery. They take out all the breast tissue. Um, okay. a, a, double, uh, a surgeon does that. She takes out all of the breast tissue. Um, I also did this on a TV show called Dr. 90210, which is wait, on E. Wait, so it's filmed. Wait, hold yeah, up. Yeah, hold up. So you can watch my surgery and see inside my body. <laughs> so uh, let's just back this up. So yeah. you went on. I, I remember that show. Mm-hmm. It's, it's no longer. Yeah. But I do remember that so well. And I yeah. do remember hearing stories. Yeah. And, that's, and, and I love being educated mm-hmm. on that. So you went on and actually did this in front of, yeah. I know you're an actress, but in front of, <laughs> I don't know how many millions that have watched it. Yeah. I wanted to show women what that process was like from and beginning to amazing. end. amazing. And it, like, they came to my doctor's appointments where I'm talking about like how I want them to look and how I want them to feel. And yeah. like, I'm scared and I'm crying. And then like, you know, surgery, they filmed the whole surgery. And, um, so they, I watched somebody after take out all my breast tissue and it looks disgusting. That part, doctor's done with her part. And then my plastic surgeon comes in and she puts the implants in and we talked about size and shape, but she's like, what I'm going to do is have a couple implants kind of ready to go. And then I'm going to put them in you, sit you up and see which ones look best. Yes. And I was like, cool. That was, that was yeah. pretty much my process. Yeah. Yes. So she, I mean, I was already, I, I was obviously out of it. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, so same, same. Yeah. But I just wanted to wake up show, with, with like, boobs. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I woke up with boobs. Um, But she had been doing it for a long time, had really great results. And the benefit of that for me was that I could like heal one time. So oh, I yes. wake up with new boobs and then I have to heal from that surgery, which took a couple months. Um, but once I'm done, I'm done. Um, and they looked great. I was so happy with the way they turned out. I felt like me. Um, I felt very – I feel really connected to my body all the time. I'm a big yogi. And I felt like it was sort of – it was a way for me to connect back to my body. And for me, my boobs always felt like part of my femininity. I know yeah. that's not for everyone. A lot of women don't feel that way. 
for me, I felt like they were there again. I woke up. I kind of like was like delirious in surgery, like touching my chest. Like, where are they? Oh, there they are. Okay, cool. We're working with something now. That's fine. So that was my experience. And um, my doctor did an incredible job of choosing like the right implants for my body and um, for choosing ones that are high profile, which means like they kind of stand up more than breast implant ones um, because there's no breast tissue there left to be over them. Like with a breast augmentation, there's an implant and then there's natural boobs over it. But with a breast reconstruction, there's no breast tissue. It's like you're a pure implant. So the breast implant has to be specific. There's so much more to that than obviously my experience because, you know, for me, I, I got my lift and I got my breast mm-hmm. implants and I was, you know, mm-hmm. as happy as I yeah. can be. I could only imagine having to think about all the other, you know, stuff that goes along with it. But again, I, I, I can't express this enough that we do live in a day and age where you can feel like yourself. Whatever mm-hmm. it is that makes you feel like yourself, mm-hmm. you are able to go and do that and still have the, the, totally. the boobs that you wanted. Completely. I felt like... Uh, once I realized I had BRCA, I felt like my boobs were like ticking time bombs. And so to get them removed, like, okay, I get to live the rest of my life now in with these boobs on my body. Great. I'm thrilled. This is my new normal. This is part of how what makes me feel like me. Um, so how often do you have to get checked now um, just to, you know, make sure? Yeah, once a year. Oh. It's such a relief. Like, yes. I am so grateful and um, just like – truly grateful to be born at the time I was born to have all these options to be able to look the way I want to look it's been it's been a really positive experience even though it was really challenging I love that I love that okay I want to thank Dr. Alexia Adams for coming on today and just sharing her story um I love just how real open and honest you both were and Katie I did ask uh, Dr. Alexia this but what is give me one word that describes you today I'm gonna say brave Okay. Yeah, all I this like stuff it. terrified me, and I did it anyway, and I think that's brave. I I, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I will be brave too one day. I'm just kidding. You already are. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think brave is fantastic, and that is, I, I would say, a great word to describe you. Yeah, and keep spreading the good word. You know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep using that platform. What is one hope that you have that you want to do with your brand and who you are in 2022? I would love to just take – what I've learned in my life, which, you know, in the 33 years I've lived it is not like, you know, Oprah level of like intelligence, but I've learned some (laughs) stuff and I would like to share that. And so I'm going to use social media to try to do that. Like I'm not a genius. I don't have like all the answers, but I have some answers and I think they can help some people. And I just want to do more of that. And that's the beauty of it. Whoever relates to you is going to come to you. Yep. Whoever finds comfort or they like what you're talking about or they can relate, that is what you're here for. And that's what I keep telling myself. Well, and thank you for doing what you do. Like, I don't, I don't you know are, what I do. I'm still figuring it out. But it's kind of like <laughs> what we just talked about. Like, there are so many yeah. women out there that relate to you and you make them feel not alone. And yes. like, somebody out there is living your experience similar to it and is sharing and is being real about it and honest and like showing up just as you are every day is a huge service to all the people that listen to your podcast. I appreciate that. And being as real and authentic is something that I pride myself in. And I want to maintain that. And that is my goal going into 2022. Um, (laughs) All right. Thank you, Dr. Alexia, for coming in. And Katie, we, this is Flashbacks.
Natrell Breast Implants Important Safety Information and Approved Uses Breast implants are not considered lifetime devices. The longer people have them, the greater the chances are that they will develop complications, some of which will require more surgery. Breast implants have been associated with the development of a cancer of the immune system called Breast Implant Associated Anaplastic Large Cell Lymphoma, BIAALCL. This cancer occurs more commonly in patients with textured breast implants than smooth implants, although rates are not well defined. Some patients have died from BIAALCL. Patients receiving breast implants have reported a variety of systemic symptoms such as joint pain, muscle aches, confusion, chronic fatigue, autoimmune diseases, and others. Individual patient risk for developing these symptoms has not been well established. Some patients report complete resolution of symptoms when the implants are removed without replacement. Who can get breast implants? Natural breast implants are approved for the following. Breast augmentation for women at least 22 years old for silicone-filled implants and for women at least 18 years old for saline-filled implants. Breast augmentation includes primary breast augmentation to increase the breast size and revision surgery to correct or improve the result of a primary breast augmentation. Breast reconstruction. This includes primary breast reconstruction to replace breast tissue that has been removed due to cancer or trauma or that has failed to develop properly due to a severe breast abnormality. This also includes revision surgery to correct or improve the result of a primary breast reconstruction. Who should not get breast implants? Breast implant surgery should not be performed in women with active infection anywhere in their body, women with existing cancer or precancer of their breast who have not received adequate treatment for those conditions, women who are currently pregnant or nursing. What should I tell my doctor? Tell your doctor if you have any of the following conditions as the risks of breast implant surgery may be higher. Autoimmune diseases, example, lupus and scleroderma, a weakened immune system, example, taking medications to decrease the body's immune response, planned chemotherapy or radiation therapy following breast implant placement, conditions or medications that interfere with wound healing and blood clotting, reduced blood supply to breast tissue, clinical diagnosis of depression or other mental health disorders, including body dysmorphic disorder and eating disorders. Those with diagnosis of depression or other mental health disorders should wait for resolution or stabilization of these conditions prior to undergoing breast implantation surgery. What else should I consider? There is a boxed warning for breast implants. Please see bold text at beginning. Many changes to your breasts following implantation are irreversible. If you later choose to have your implants removed and not replaced, you may experience dimpling, puckering, wrinkling, or other cosmetic changes, which may be permanent. Breast implantation is likely not a one-time surgery. The longer implants are in place, the greater the potential risk for complications. You will likely need additional surgeries on your breasts due to complications or unacceptable cosmetic results. Thus, you should also consider the complication rates for later revision surgery, since you may experience these risks in the future. Cancer treatments and surgery will affect the outcome and timing of breast reconstruction. Breast implants may affect your ability to breastfeed, either by reducing or eliminating milk production. Rupture of a silicone breast implant is most often silent. Even if you have no symptoms, you should have your first ultrasound or MRI at five to six years after your initial implant surgery, and then every two to three years thereafter, regardless of whether your implants are for augmentation or reconstruction. If you have symptoms of or uncertain ultrasound results for breast implant rupture, an MRI is recommended. Additional imaging may be required depending on your medical history and status. The health consequences of a ruptured silicone gel-filled breast implant have not been fully established. Routine screening mammography for breast cancer will be more difficult, and implants may rupture during the procedure. Perform self-examination every month for cancer screening and ask your surgeon to help you distinguish the implant from your breast tissue. Lumps, persistent pain, swelling, hardening, or changes in implant shape should be reported to your surgeon and possibly evaluated with imaging. What are key complications with breast implants? Key complications include reoperation, implant removal with or without replacement, implant rupture with silicone-filled implants, implant deflation with saline-filled implants, and capsular contracture, severe scar tissue around the implant. Other complications include 
include breast pain, swelling, asymmetry, wrinkling, rippling, implant malposition, nipple complications, hypertrophic scarring, and implant palpability visibility. Talk to your doctor about other complications. For more information, see the patient brochures at www.allergan.com products. To report a problem with Natrell breast implants, please call Allergan at 1-800-624-4261. The sale and distribution of Natrell breast implants is restricted to licensed physicians who provide information to patients about the risks and benefits of breast implant surgery.